this past week to celebrate uh, my birthday, I grabbed another priest and a seminarian, Father Nick Blaha and Aaron Waldeck, who are over at Blessed Sacrament of Christ the King, and we went backpacking. You know, my involvement with the scouts, and I, I like being outdoors, and it was going to be a beautiful weekend, so we had finally managed to make two priest schedules match up, and so we went backpacking. And I, I haven't gone on a, a long backpacking trip in a while. I've done a little one, but kind of getting back into it. And if you guys have seen Father Nick Blaha, he's, he's pretty tall, and he's got long legs, and so it wasn't too long, and well, they kind of ran off and left me a little bit. I'm kind of the short, fat one in the back, and he's like the tall, let's go. Like, you get to a little rock ledge in the trail that, you know, it's like a two and a half foot drop, and Father Nick's just like, step over it. I get to it, I'm like, do I have to jump? You know, and it's, so I, I kind of got left behind uh, a little bit, and uh, reminded me a bit of uh, something a little more serious this summer. My, my ministry as a chaplain at, at Philmont Scout Ranch there, it's not just like a day or so of backpacking. It's like a, a 10-day trek through the mountains. And you've, you've got not just three people, but a, a group of like maybe 10 or even 12 people in what, what we call a crew. And, and this summer, one of the things I had to deal with as a chaplain a lot was, was getting called out when a particular crew had decided that maybe one or so in their crew was just too slow which of course happens in a group of you know 10 or 12 people, you're gonna have some that are faster and more fit and some that are a little slower. Well, the problem was these crews thought that they could just uh, vote one of their crew members off the island essentially and say, you know what, we, we all got together and we voted and we think he just needs to be taken back down to base camp and we'll just go on without him. Well, as you might imagine, I hope you're a little shocked by that because it's not how we do things in the Boy Scouts. You don't get to Philmont and decide, yeah, you know what, we'd be better off without him. That's horrible. And yet, uh, people often ask, well, what kind of things does a chaplain do? Well, we've got a really great trained staff. And so if a chaplain gets called out, it means things have gotten pretty bad. It means the staff have tried to reason with this crew and try to get them to see the light, and they, they don't. So you get a little come to Jesus meeting with the chaplain. And often, sadly, it's the adults. I actually had to deal with that a lot this summer where the adults in the crew had wisely decided, we think this person should go home. Not good, not good. And so I have to come out there and tell them, you know, you, you gotta make through the entire adventure as a, a group. You don't get to decide to leave the, the weak and, and less strong people behind. In fact, at the end of a Philmont track, there's a little plaque that you get called the Whammy Award, W-A-M-I. It literally says, we all made it. Like, you all have to make it. You don't get to get rid of the slower people so you can charge up faster. That misses the whole point. The point is to more than just accomplish covering distance. It's to, to bridge the distance between the hearts of the people in the crew that you, you gel together. And by the end, you're a cohesive unit that knows how to deal with Slow people, fast people, people that are smarter with a map and a compass, people that are better in putting up tents, better cooking. You need everybody and you can't leave anybody behind. Especially not a priest on his birthday in the woods. Come on. But I, I survived. I'm back and eventually I reminded them I have the keys to the car. 
so it really doesn't matter how fast y'all get back there. You, you gotta wait for me anyway. But I, I thought about that in, in light of our, our readings today. You know, the, the first reading and the gospel on Sunday are always kind of chosen to, to go together. And, and here's a little bit of the, the link that you, you might miss. You might say, well, there's a, there's a blind person mentioned in the first reading of the gospel. True, but, but here's the, the real thing. So Jeremiah, in our first reading, is, is writing about the time when the, the exile of the, the Israelites will be over, and it, it's time for that, that great expedition back home. And they just, they want to get back as quick as possible, and it's a huge journey across the, you know, from basically Iraq back to Israel. Not an easy trip. Way more difficult than a, a Philmont trip, even. And Jeremiah is saying that when it comes time to go back, he says, I will gather them from the ends of the earth. Great. Then he says, with the blind and the lame in their midst, the mothers and those with child. Well, we tend to think, well, the blind and the lame, this is good, good news. What, what, what Jeremiah is saying is that when it comes time to go back, everybody is going back. You're not going to be able to leave anybody behind. You got to take the blind, the lame, the mothers, those with child with you. Those, those groups, the blind, the lame, the mothers with child, think about it. These are the people that if you're in a hurry and you just want to get to your destination, you might be tempted to see these people as the ones that hold everybody back. These would be the ones that you'd want to like vote off the island. We'll just leave you in exile, blind, lame, and the rest of us strong people are ready to go. We'll just hightail it back to Israel. We don't need you. In fact, you would just slow us down. Mothers with children, they also would be seen as weak. And why are they slow? Well, because the mothers are back there taking care of all the kids while the dads are like, let's go, and, you know, race ahead. No, Jeremiah is saying everybody is going to be saved by God. Everybody is coming out of exile and it doesn't matter how long it's gonna take you, how much you think the weak will slow you down. When you get out of exile and get back to the promised land, it's a we all made it sort of adventure. Everybody goes. In that light then, we can look at our gospel and we see this blind man, Bartimaeus, who is representative probably of of all the people that would have been seen as marginalized, weak, outcast, not as good as everybody else. He's sitting on the roadside. We can read in that he's on the margin. He's outcast, he's blind, he's sitting there, can't do anything for himself, would have been rejected by everybody. And notice it seems like everybody else is just passing him by. But to his credit, he hears, it's Jesus. And despite feeling perhaps weak, blind, vulnerable, Bartimaeus knows that if it's Jesus, he can save me. If God is passing by, God will not leave me. He has this incredible faith. And so Bartimaeus knows that he's weak. He knows he's this slow person. He knows that everyone else would want to leave him behind. But he has incredible faith to think perhaps Jesus will not leave me behind. And so he has this great tenacity to call it, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. And, and notice the gospel as it tells it. It's not that 
Jesus hears him and Jesus goes right away. Rather, he wants to convert the hearts of the people that have been passing by Bartimaeus this whole time. So Jesus doesn't go. He tells his apostles, you go and you call him. And then they, they kind of get it. Oh, take courage. Jesus is calling you. And Bartimaeus goes. Notice this, this little detail that I think would be easy to miss. It says that when he hears Jesus is calling him, it says he threw aside his cloak, sprang up, and came to Jesus. Now remember, this is a blind man. So his, his cloak would be the only garment he has to, to keep warm in. You know, imagine if you're blind and you've got one coat. Someone might try to take it from you if you set it down. He, he just throws it off. Like the thing he most needs, probably his own possession in the whole world, when he hears Jesus is calling, he just throws off his cloak. He's blind. He can't find it again. And he springs up. Springs up to, to go where? To do what? How would he even know where to go? But his heart is so on fire. Jesus is here and he doesn't think about anything else. He just springs up. It's like, where is he? And he comes to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Master, as if it's that obvious, I want to see. Go your way. Your faith has saved you. Immediately he received his sight. That's how it is. Jesus knows what he needs, but he allows Bartimaeus to ask for what he needs. And, and at this point, he's humble enough, like, I'm blind. I want to see. And so because of his faith, he does. And notice, and he followed him on the way. That's what happens when we encounter Jesus in our weakness, when we're not afraid to bear our weaknesses before Jesus. Not only are we healed, but we're healed for a purpose, to then follow him on the way. You know, I think about as we practically apply this set of readings to our life then, where perhaps do we encounter the marginalized, the weak, the vulnerable, those in society that other people would seem as less valuable, cast off, what Pope Francis has often referred as to, those who live on the margins of life. You know, I especially thought about this in this Respect Life Month. Um, as I remember a professor of mine in seminary, or in, in Canon Law School, actually, he was from Ireland, and he, he came and one of the things he said most shocked him about in parish ministry in America, he said after a while it dawned on him, he's like, where are, where are the little handicapped kids? Where are the kids with, with Down syndrome and those with disabilities? He's like, well, in my parish in Ireland, like the, the kids with Down syndrome would be running all over the place and yelling and, you know, it was just normal. And he said it actually shocked him when he was in America for a while because he said, where are all the kids with with disabilities and Down syndrome and wheelchairs and where are they? And he said it, it hit him then, you, you aborted them all. That, that's why they're not here. And he said it was, it was shocking. And we can think that just in the past couple of years, Iceland famously announced, we've eradicated Down syndrome. Well, of course, this didn't happen because of some medical cure, like we found the cure for Down syndrome. No, I, 
the, the rest of the world was rightfully shocked when Ireland announced we've eliminated Down syndrome. They didn't eliminate Down syndrome. They killed all the people with Down syndrome, aborted them in their mother's wombs. How often we want to think that we will be better if we leave the, the vulnerable, the marginalized behind, if we just keep going by the road like Bartimaeus got passed by all the time. God is rightfully telling us it's a we all made it kind of adventure through this world. You don't make life better by eliminating the poor, the weak, the vulnerable, those with disabilities. God deliberately puts them on the road like Bartimaeus because he wants to move our hearts to recognize a very important truth that all of us are weak before God. Maybe it's, maybe it's a physical handicap or disability. Maybe it's a more likely a spiritual kind of thing. All of us are completely weak, vulnerable, and blind sitting by the roadside when it comes to the spiritual life. Do we try to mask it and pretend like everything is okay? That, that's essentially what Iceland tried to do by eliminating Down syndrome. They want to pretend. Instead, they just masked a real issue. God does not want us to try to mask our weaknesses. God says, no, call out. Let me know. You're, you're, you need help? Good. All you have to do is call out. And I would, I would think that this is why it's so important that, especially in our church, that this be a safe place to be able to admit, I need help. Far too often in my ministry as a priest, I've seen people want to pretend that everything is okay. I'm, oh, I'm good. How you doing? I'm fine. Everything's fine. Meanwhile, everything is not fine, and we're really falling apart. We're doing everything we can to try to keep our family together amidst COVID and everything else that's happening. We're barely hanging on to try to make all this work, and then on top of it, we're trying to make it look like everything's okay. Of all places, the church should be a place that the, the password at the door should be, have mercy on me, I'm a mess. That's what ultimately causes us as a big crew of Christians to gel together that we are all weak and a mess, disabled in some way, physical or spiritual, and we need help. Are we willing to admit that, to admit that we are the ones that need help? If we start taking care of the most vulnerable in our society, if you don't see poor people, it's not because we eliminated poor people means you're not at places where they're at. You're not exposed to them. Go find them. Their poor people are out there. People who need your help are out there. There are marginalized people all over. If you don't see them, be, be afraid because they're there. Why don't I see them? Do I pass by? We are all spiritually in need. And I think God allows sometimes the poor and the broken to be in our lives to remind us we need help, all of us. So if we are able to do like Bartimaeus did, Jesus is passing by. He's, he's, and the thing is, he, he might go by if we don't call out. So let's call out. Jesus, have pity on us. Our world is a mess. Jesus, have pity on us. Our families are broken. Jesus, we are just at the end of our rope. We don't think we can do it. Jesus, I can't do it. Have mercy on me. Oh, that's, that's a really, really good prayer. Jesus, I can't do it. Pray that prayer. It's the prayer Jesus loves to hear. And if you do that, don't let anything hold you back. 
throw off whatever it is that you're holding on to, your cloak, embarrassment, throw it off. Run to Jesus. And then hear Jesus ask you, what do you want me to do for you? Do you know the answer to that question? What do you really want? If you have faith, Jesus will say to you, go your way, your faith has saved you. And then you get to go with him. And the best news of all to a people who are broken and marginalized and like me at the, the back of the hiking party and, you know, feeling like, uh, where'd everybody go? God will never do that. If you show God all your sin, your brokenness, weakness, show it all to Jesus. Because in the end, Jesus will look at you, tell you that you're saved because Jesus loves you. Jesus will never decide to leave you behind.